Good morning, guys. I'm glad you're here today. Let's open the word of prayer and let's do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning just for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to be here, to worship you with my brothers and sisters today, Lord. And just be with us as we worship you in song and giving and the preaching and teaching of your word, Lord. And in all things, we want to glorify and honor you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
Worship team, come on.
Thank you, guys. You may be seated this morning. I got some Bibles. We had baptism last week. Jaylee, are you here? Come on up here, hon. Congratulations. There's your new Bible. Got a couple of more. Another young lady, Josie's not here today, uh, but Kara, Kara's here. I saw Kara. Come on up here, Kara. Congratulations. There's your new Bible. You're welcome. And Billy. I saw Billy, too. Come on up here, Billy. It's always an exciting time for the church to get to go to the river and baptize. Congratulations. All right. Uh, the other thing that is just so important, so after someone has professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they've been baptized, we like to take them through discipleship. When they complete discipleship, we give them a certificate. So Mike Simons, come on up here. He's got a certificate to pass out today. And Paul. Man, what a blessing this young man has been to me uh, over the last several weeks. Uh, kind of spoke a little bit about it last night, but uh, we went through discipleship and and uh, we just had a, a great time doing it, and we really formed a, a, a bond, and we're, we're good friends and brothers in Christ today, and, and uh, I just thank the Lord for that. Uh, we knew going into each session when we sat down, we went into it expecting that God was going to reveal something to us, and we prayed about it, and God didn't, he didn't let us down. Every, every week, we, we come out of it with something, and, and so uh, just a true blessing if you haven't been through discipleship. Uh, I would encourage you to talk to someone. Uh, we also talked this morning in the meeting on how uh, there's a bond that takes place takes place between between the discipler and the disciple that you can't get anywhere else. It's not available anywhere else uh, in this world. It's it's through discipleship, and God God will honor that and bless you. And so, thank you uh, for the last several weeks. It's a bittersweet. I'm, I hate that it's over, but uh, I'm glad that you are in a position now where you can go and and uh, disciple other men. Love you. So Mike Simon picked me up from prison almost a year ago. In three weeks, it'll be one year. Um, I've never been a healthy community member in my life. I've never been a part of a, uh, a healthy society ever. Um, today, I have a friend that's held me accountable from day one. Um, I can look at Mike Simons and know that I have to come with him at the truth. I have to come with Mike Simons because he's not going to lower the standard. Our friendship is based upon the word of God, and I know it's going to be like that for the rest of my life. And I've never had a friend like that. So if you've never been discipled by somebody in the word of God or built a, a friendship on the foundation of the word of Jesus Christ, um, you'll never have a stronger truth in the word in your life or a stronger friendship. Thank you, Mike Simons. Wow. Thank you, fellas. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, the other thing we did this week uh, is the youth took their uh, their annual trip. They went to camp this week, and, and we're in Branson. And I, and I know Trey and Savannah had the opportunity to go down and visit with them. And Selena and I went down Thursday and taught a lesson. So I know Joel, Shelly, you want all of them to come on up here, right? Yeah, yeah come on come up on here, up, youth. youth. Where's everybody at? Where's Sam? What? He was supposed to preach. <laughs> uh, uh, this God. isn't even all of them. You had like 20, didn't you? Oh, there's Robert. All right. Yeah, we had like 
I think 15 kids, okay. five adults. All right. Yeah, even me. Uh, yeah, we should do our skit. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was really good. No, uh, we had the girls do one too. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to thank you guys uh, for uh, backing us up and praying for us. And uh, we do an auction every year, and you guys help provide, uh, you know, a time that we could go and uh, learn about Christ and uh, learn, e learn about each other. And, you know, we, we developed relationships, not only through Christ, but we developed relationships with each other. And uh, we really enjoyed ourselves. But I'm going to ask some of them what they enjoyed the most. Did you enjoy anything? What, what was your best part about it? Time traveler. Time traveler. Because we went to Silver Dollar City the first day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. The next day, Thursday, we went to uh, see Esther at Sight and Sound. And that is awesome. That is really good. And then we came back on Friday. And I'm so glad it was 100 degrees out because that night at 10 o'clock, you know what we did? We went to bed. <laughs> on. I liked how the all the lessons were all kind of entwined in with each other, and you guys didn't even have a plan or anything. Uh, I didn't tell anybody what to teach on or anything, and I think God worked worked it out that we all talked about subjects and they were kind of all the same. And it was. It was really good. And, you know, one thing about it, God is molding uh, these young kids. I mean, I, I can see a difference. I don't know if you guys can really see a difference in your kids or not. I can really see a difference in how God is working in their lives. You know, they're our future of the church. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's right. And I would like to thank Trey and Savannah for coming up, Jeff and Selena, and thank uh, Valerie and Dave. Yeah, really good. Stephanie, Robert, thanks for letting her come. <laughs> <laughs> or John, thanks for letting her come. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, we've got a, a video. Oh, yeah, Dave did a really good job on the video. We've got a good video for you guys. Don't start it yet. You made the rain. Hang on. So when it falls on me, should I complain? Hang, or feel you calling me? Yep. We're going to turn the lights down just a little bit. And yeah, you guys can go ahead. Thanks, Joel. You made the rain, so when it falls on me, should I complain? Or feel you calling me, it's all on me to stay and really catch what you're showing. 
It's like the six you're growing, cause life is more than this moment. You are the light. So when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no, not at all. You're right. It's my roots that you're growing, don't wanna miss what you're showing. Ain't no doubt about you. Shine above me. 
Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness. Through the good and the bad and the ugly, I can still feel the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness. Big thank you to the adults and 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 uh, Joel and Shelly that they hey you guys took your time out to take these kids and it was fun going down and teaching them that night and uh, we have a great youth group so hey if, if your kids don't come to youth this is kind of the invitation they have a youth group every uh, Wednesday night uh, at 6:45 to 7:45 and then we have Sunday school they meet for Sunday school uh, every Sunday morning at nine so if your kids aren't involved with that get them get them here just a couple of quick uh, announcements we have a back to school. A pool party. It's for the whole church. It's August 27th, Sunday, August 27th, from 6:30 to 8:30. There's a sign-up sheet that I know is going to be going around today. You passing around today, next week. There'll be a sign-up sheet going around. Please sign up if you can go, so we know how much pizza to order. That's Sunday, August 27th. The week before that, so not this coming Saturday, but the Saturday after that, we're going on a church-wide float trip. So here's the information, and I'll post it probably online or I'll text it out. It's in Galena, Missouri. It's called James River Outfitters. So what you'll need to do is go online if you, your family want to go. Get signed up for that day, Saturday the 19th. And we're all going to show up at 8 a.m. And we'll get on the same bus. We'll go down and start the float. It's a five-mile uh, float. We'll probably be done by 1.30. So you'll have plenty of time to get back here for freeway that night if you want to do that. So... Uh, all good. Flooring for the ladies' house. Big thank you for everyone who's donated to the flooring on the ladies' house. The new uh, flooring will be going in in the next couple of weeks. And then our first lady will be here the 20, 25th for the Women's Freeway House. So more details to come on getting ready for that day. But uh, it was a great, great, great time. Uh, and just thank you guys for all your hard work and getting that money raised. And it's going to be a great time putting some effort into that and getting that ministry up and going. Move up Sunday. This is always something that happens. Going to be uh, for the sixth graders. Sixth graders going into youth now. It's going to be Sunday, August 27th. So Sierra's going to be having a little party for them. Probably that Wednesday night before. Uh, move up day is Sunday, August 27th. And I mentioned the back, uh, back school party. So any, uh, men's, men's Bible study tonight here at the church at 6 o'clock. Anything else on announcements? Okay, if you would stand this morning, uh, let's have our, uh, huh? Women's coffee uh, Monday. Women's coffee Monday at 8.30 at Prickly Cactus. Okay, if you would stand, let's take up our morning offering and have our time of worship before we jump into God's word together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you again uh, just for the opportunity to be here this morning, Lord. And as we take up this offering, Lord, I, I pray that you use it to further your kingdom. Uh, use it, God, to share your gospel around the world on a local level, uh, on a national level, and international to fund our missionaries, uh, Lord. And it is a worship uh, time to give back to you. And so thank you, Lord, for what you've blessed us with. And we want to give you our best. It's in your name I do pray. Amen. Where I go, I go. There's a city that calls me by. 
If you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. If you would, please remain standing. Let's honor God's word together. We're going to be in uh, quite a few verses this morning in Genesis 18. Is it but Do you guys hear buzzing? What is okay, all right, cool. Genesis 18, uh, it, we're going to be in 16 through 30, but I want to start, just for the, the sake of time, uh, I want to start in verse 22. But I want you to reference, I had a lot of verses today, and I'm going to try to go quickly through some of this, but there's just a lot of stuff here, so bear with me today, uh, if you would, because I know we have communion today also. So uh, Genesis 18, starting verse 22, it says, So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood, st- still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find, if I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, who I am but dust and ashes. Suppose fifty of excuse me, suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of the forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of the twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found, he answered. For he said, For the sake of the ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for your word, God. And there is so much here, and I just pray, uh, Lord, that I will do it some justice this morning, and that uh, maybe we'll have a better understanding of this passage, and uh, have a better understanding of, of what our heart should be, just like Abraham's, and, and have an understanding about your character, 
and, and how, um, what you think about sin. And in all things this morning, I hope we glorify and honor you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I am, uh, I am excited. I, I, I've been excited going through this about Abraham, and this is Abraham uh, part three is where we're at. And um, I'm not trying to skip over anything at all, guys. I'm not. But in, in chapter 17 and even the beginning of eight, 18, there's so much there. I mean, I probably could preach 10 or 15 sermons over just Abraham, and I'm not trying to skip anything, but I, I want to... I don't know, maybe I'm doing two sermons today, I don't know, but I, I want to touch on this. In, in chapter 17, verse 1, it says so, something pretty important. It says, God appears to Abraham and says, I am God Almighty, live in my presence and be blameless. So this is kind of a neat side note here that I hope you take a note on and just put it mentally back uh, in your head there. Uh, but who appeared to Abraham as God Almighty? It's a question I think we need to answer because in John chapter 1 verses 18 and John chapter 6 verses 46, it says that not anyone has seen the Father except who is from God. He has seen the Father. So we know that no one has ever seen the Father. So who appears to Abraham and says, I am God Almighty in the Old Testament? Can't be the Father, so who is it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. This is an amazing example of Jesus in the Old Testament. And this also is good to keep back here because there's many people that say that Jesus never claimed to be God or Scripture doesn't teach that Jesus is God. It absolutely does right here. It says Jesus is God Almighty. So we know uh, that the Father didn't appear to Abraham in chapter 17. It's Jesus and He appears as God Almighty. So it is, it is that example. Um, he then... Later on in the chapter, that's kind of a neat little side note that I wanted to touch on. He then institutes the covenant of circumcision, which I could have probably been a whole other sermon too. Uh, and, and that was a sign that, that the, the males or the Israelites belonged to God. And so the males were circumcised and they were supposed to be set apart. Today, circumcision is now of the heart. We are now circumcised in the heart by our sin being cut away. So if you turn to, just real quick, these are just kind of side note sermons as I'm going through here. Romans chapter 2. Turn to Romans chapter 2 just real quick. Verses 25 through 29. Romans chapter 2, 25 through 29. These were things that I saw, but I, it's not the main point of the sermon, but I, I obviously I wanted to touch on these. They're 25 through 29. It says, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have, written, who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So what is that? It means the outward signs of, any outward sign that you're a follower of Christ mean nothing if your heart hasn't been changed by Christ. That's what it's saying. So it, it kind of ties in. Colossians chapter 2.11 says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So there's a picture of 
how people identified as being followers of God and they believed in God in the Old Testament. And it absolutely ties into the Lord Jesus today. And it's a circumcision of the heart when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we get to 18, and I'm not trying to go through it too fast, but it's just important stuff. 18 opens again with the word in verse 1, Lord, in Hebrew or Greek. It's Yahweh. It opens the word with the word Yahweh, which means God Almighty. So you have God Almighty and two angels now appear to Abraham. And Abraham absolutely knew that he was in the presence of God. He runs to meet them, and what does he do? He bows low to the ground. And that is a posture that is reserved for royalty or deity. He is worshiping. He bows low to God Almighty in 18. So once again, who is Abraham and Sarah? They're in the presence of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. They are in the presence of the Lord Jesus, God himself. In, in chapter 18. And God tells Abraham. He tells Abraham and Sarah. That they're going to have a son. And that this time next year. When he returns. You're going to have a son this time next year. And, and Sarah didn't believe God. And she laughs. She laughs. And God says something amazing. I love this. And I wanted to highlight it before we get into the meat and potatoes today of what I'm preaching about. I know we got like three different sermons here so far. But verse 13 and 14 said, The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I love that. Jesus says to her and Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is there anything too hard for me? Is there any? I, and, and I think about that. I'm like, I, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, what are you, what are you, don't question, don't worry. I, this is going to happen. I created everything. I made the mountains. I made the stars in the heaven. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1 says Jesus created everything. If he created the oceans and the seas and all the animals, you think it's a big deal for Sarah to have a child? No, no. And that's what he's saying. And it got me thinking, how many times do we question what God's doing in our life? And God's answer to us, church, is, is there really anything too hard for the Lord? Like, what are you doing? Come on. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He said, at the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And, and I know there's multiple sermons there, and there's multiple directions I could have went, but I couldn't get out of my head this week the dialogue that I read to you opening here this morning that Abraham has with Jesus about Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and so if you go back to verse 20, go back to verse 20 in, uh, in Genesis. Just flip back there for me. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, it says, Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know it. So what is Jesus doing? He has heard the outcry of the sin and the unrighteousness that's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's sending two angels to Sodom and Gomorrah to see if the city is as bad as what he's heard it's been. 
And, and if you go down to verse 22 through, through 33, which I read, we see this amazing dialogue, this conversation between Jesus and Abraham. And when I was thinking about this, there's just some stuff that jumps out here that I want to touch on. And, and the first thing is just how absolutely serious God is about sin. How absolutely serious he is about the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah. He, has, he is sending angels to destroy whole cities and everything in them because of their wickedness. I can't say enough today how much God hates sin. And he hates sin because there is no sin found in him. That's the first thing we have to remember is he hates sin because there's no sin found in him. Psalms 5.4 says this, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. God rejects sin. He does not allow sin in his presence. It, it, he hates it because it is the complete opposite of himself. If you want to read about the holiness of God, we looked at this passage this morning in discipleship. If you look at Isaiah chapter 6, you see a picture of God's holiness. When Isaiah sees Jesus sitting on the throne, and he is absolutely holy. And his holiness totally saturates every part of his being. He is morally, God is morally perfect, and he is free from any blemish. There is absolutely no unrighteousness in God at all. Psalms 92.5 says, To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. So God tell, God's Word tells us His attitude towards sin is one of total disgust. An utter dislike. He is hostile towards sin. Why? Because sin causes the separation of man and God. It causes the separation between God and the highlight of his creation. Who is the highlight of his creation? You are. Man. Man is the highlight of his creation. Sin brings about a separation. God hates sin because it's unholiness, it's unrighteousness, and it separates us from him. Because God is serious about sin, it deserves and demands a punishment. It, de it deserves and it demands a punishment. He is sending these angels to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and a lot of you know the story. We'll probably get to it maybe next week or the week after. But he sends angels to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he rains down fire from heaven. And, and you will see in these next couple of chapters just absolutely how wicked and evil Sodom and Gomorrah are. Not much different than what we see when we look across our country today, to be honest with you. God is serious about sin. If I, I, I love using this example with people when I'm talking with people. I got to last night, got to share with somebody some ways they can talk to someone who's lost. If I, I always take it to a, 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 a local courtroom. If I commit a crime, what does our local law system of justice? It demands justice. God's law, when it is broken, demands justice. If I break the law, and they take me before a judge. He's not going to say, well, yeah, you're most of the time you're a really good guy and you do good in the community. He's going to say, you broke the law and you deserve a punishment. When we stand before God, we can't say how good we've done and, all, and try, to, try, to, try to say all the righteous deeds that we've done. When we've broken the law, it deserves a punishment and demands justice. This is how serious God takes sin. He takes it so serious he was willing to send his son to the cross to pay the price for it. It demands justice. That's an amazing 
bit of good news for us today. That even though we violated a holy God and we deserve a punishment and God's law demands justice, Jesus paid the punishment. He went to the cross in our place. Who deserves to be hanging on the cross? It wasn't Jesus. It was us. It was me. It was you. If we've broken the law, we deserve that. You can see in these verses God's wrath towards sin. He was sending angels to destroy cities. Destroy cities. Here's the second thing that really jumps out for me in this passage. Abraham has a great concern for people. He had a great concern for other people. In our text, you're going to see that Abraham, he has a great concern for Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, who lived in Sodom? Maybe you have to think, and who lived there? A whole bunch of people he didn't know, for sure. But his nephew also lived there. Lot. Lot lived there. That was his nephew. He had family that lived there. Abraham knew that God was serious about destroying those cities because of wickedness. And what was he? He was concerned for the lives of the people in that city. He was concerned for anybody who had believed in God. And he tried to persuade God. Even if there's five righteous people, would you not spare the city for the five? Because he had a great concern for the people that were going to die there. It made me think of this story of the famous evangelist, Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody. He was in London. I think I've told you guys this before, but he was in London in the midst of one of his famous evangelistic tours. And several British clergymen went to visit him. And they wanted to know how this poorly educated man from America was so effective in winning throngs and thousands of people to Christ. And Moody, he took the three men to the window of his hotel room. And he asked them what they saw. They all looked out the window and each one of them took turns seeing. One by one they described the people in the park below. Then Moody looked out the window. And with tears rolling down his cheeks. They said, what do you see Mr. Moody? Asked one of the men. And this was his answer. He said, I see countless thousands of souls that will one day spend eternity in hell. If they do not find the Savior. He looked at people and had compassion and care on them. The same compassion and care that Abraham was having for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was concerned with their destiny. He was concerned what was going to happen to them. D.L. Moody obviously sees people differently or saw people differently than the average person, the average observer, right? Because he saw eternal souls where others saw only people strolling in the park. Moody approached life with a totally different agenda. His, ad his agenda was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. He saw people as lost and dying, and they needed a Savior. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. I wonder where Moody got this example. Matthew chapter 9. Verse, starting in verse 35. I want to start in verse 35. It says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What do you think, just real quick, what do you think was harassing them and helpless, causing them to be helpless? It wasn't the afflictions. Who was harassing them? Their sin. Satan. Satan. He was looking for people to destroy. Jesus says in 37, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who did Moody get his example from? In looking at people with compassion, the Lord Jesus. Jesus cared about people who were lost. Church, that's our mission. That's our mission. I'm just going to be blunt. I want to be very blunt this morning. I'm going to be very honest with you. When you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is no longer about you. When you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is no longer about you. It's not. It's about everybody else. It's about you sharing the hope that you have with a lost and dying world. So many times we can become so self-centered, so inwardly focused. There, there's a, I thought about this this week, and it really just aggravates me when I see it. But there, there are these Facebook groups uh, all over. And one of, there, there's several of them here locally, and they're called Now You Know Marshfield. And there's like thousands of people on there. And people will go on these Facebook groups, and they'll, and, and they'll write things. And thousands of people see it, and they'll say, I'm looking for a church home. Tell me what your church has to offer. People will write that. And a lot of times we think, wow, that, that sounds really good. It makes me want to puke, honestly. Because I look at that and what I hear is, well, I want a church to take care of me. And church will, churches will market themselves as we have this and that. And we have the best youth activities. And we get to get together and, and, and play dominoes every Tuesday or whatever it is. And people go around and they look for how can people take care of me? What can people do for me? How can people feed me? How can people do this for me? You know what our approach should be as we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? The approach should be, I am looking for a body of believers that I can serve at. Using the gifts and talents that God has given me to reach a lost and dying world. Tell me about your church's missions. I've yet to ever see that. What I see is, tell me about your youth group. Tell me about your activities. Tell me about your preacher and this and that and blah, 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 right? Listen, it's not about us anymore. What does Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is out there. Are we laborers? Are we laborers? Do we have a concern? For a lost and dying world. Now listen to this. I thought of this. And I asked myself this question. Can you imagine that if what we saw, if everybody saw what D.L. Moody saw when he looked around. Can you imagine if we had a, a church full of people that looked around like D.L. Moody. I pray that God gives us that kind of compassion and concern for a lost and dying world. That it's not about us. It's not about us. Abraham had concern for Sodom and Gomorrah. He was concerned about his family. His nephew was there. His nephew could be killed. He knew that God was serious. He knew that. How, how, listen, I, I, told somebody, I told this somebody last night. Last night I said, how unloving would it be of me 
If I was sitting in my house, kicked back in my recliner, and I looked out the window and I saw my neighbor's house burning, and I just said, eh, I'm sure it'll be okay. Fire department will be here for too long. But I can't miss whatever it is on TV or whatever I was doing. I can't take my time with trying to warn them. Would that be loving of me? Absolutely not. If I love those people, what would I do? I would be high-tailing it over to their house, beating on the door, making sure nobody was inside. Because I wouldn't want them to perish. How unloving is it of us, church, if we have family that are lost and dying and we don't share the truth with them? How unloving is it if we have a neighbor that we know is lost and we don't share the truth with them? But, I, but Jeff, I just don't know how to share the gospel. Well, learn. Learn. There's resources you can do to learn. Come and talk to me. I don't know. Let's, let's sit down and have a meeting and we go over how to easy way to share the gospel. It, this is truth. All right, here's the last point, and then I'm, I'm going to cool down a little bit. Here's what I saw about Abraham. Abraham's bold. I mean, he's talking to the creator of the universe. He's, cre- he's talking to God. He's talking to the Lord Jesus. And this is what verse 23 says. I love this. It says, Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Now, I, I wanted to do a little bit of research in this word, these words, draw near. And I can't speak Hebrew, but here's what it's, it's called, weyagas. Weyagas is the Hebrew word. And you know what that means? That means you're close enough to somebody that you can kiss them. It means literally like an intimate, you are there close talking to them. Abraham was confident enough to get that close to God and stand before him and talk to him. And he could only do this on what basis? Not on himself, but let's rewind just a little bit. You go back three chapters to Genesis 15 verse 6 and it says, And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham had been declared righteous by God because of his faith in in God. Abraham had trusted in God, believed in him, and now he was in good standing with God. And God counted it to him as righteous. Now that in itself is pretty amazing. That's good news for us. When we are declared righteous before God, when does that happen though? I want to make sure we understand that. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Here's my last set of verses. Romans 4. 1 through 6. Guess who we're going to talk about in this passage in the New Testament? Abraham. Romans 4, 1 through 6. It says, What shall we say? What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. But to the one, uh, but to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. What does that mean? That means we're justified, we're made right before God apart from any of the things that we do. Apart from any human effort. Apart from any good thing, we are made right before God when we believe in Him. 
When we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we put our faith and trust in Him, we are declared righteous before God. And now, here's the thing. We can go boldly before God just like Abraham did. Abraham had confidence in drawing near to God because he had been made righteous. He had been made righteous. That's great news for us. What does Hebrews 4.16 say? It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Wow. That's amazing news for us. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is interceding on our behalf before the Father, and now we can come boldly before Him in prayer, in laying things at His feet with confidence. We can draw near to God. And listen, God wants us to do that. You notice he doesn't scold Abraham. Abraham acknowledges that he is dust. I am dust and you are the God of the universe. But God doesn't say, Abraham, be quiet. Stop questioning me. He doesn't say that. He answers him like a a parent answers a child every single time. He, He has dialogue with him. That's amazing news for us, that we can boldly come before God and lay our request at His throne. That's amazing. It's only, you can only do that when you've been justified or made righteous before God. And then you can boldly come before Him. All right, I'm going to have the worship team come this morning. Here's a quick review. Quick review. God is absolutely serious with our sin. He was serious about Sodom and Gomorrah. There is a punishment for breaking the law of God. Either we pay the punishment or we trust that Jesus paid the punishment on the cross for us. Those are the only two options. It's the only two options. You're either going to pay the fine and pay the punishment. And what the Bible says is what you earn, the wages of sin, is death. Or you're going to trust that Jesus, when he was on the cross took your sins upon him, and he paid the punishment so that you can be free. Here's the second thing. I love about this because Abraham had concern for other people. Abraham cared about a lost and dying world all around him. Do we? Do we? What did Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Who are the laborers? The ones that go out and work the harvest. They're the ones that go out and share the gospel and water the seeds and bring in the harvest. Are we laborers? Are we laborers? Because guys, I'll be honest with you, when we become a follower of Christ, step aside. It's not about you anymore. It's not about me. It's about Him. Everything's about Him. 100% about Him. And the third, I love that Abraham gave uh, gave us an example of boldly talking to the Lord Jesus. We can too. We can too. Based upon the salvation that he had given us. Approach him with confidence. He has died for you. You are his child. Approach him as a parent with confidence. And lay your concerns at his feet. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. We're also about ready to take communion. And I always read these verses before we take communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 through 30 says not to take communion in an unworthy manner. 
There's two ways you can take communion in an unworthy manner. If you have unrepentant, unconfessed sin in your life, don't take communion this morning. You have an opportunity to confess your sins to God. Then you can take communion. If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have not publicly professed Him as your personal Lord and Savior, don't take communion this morning. There's a consequence. Paul says that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. That's a warning. So we have, I always read this before the invitation so it gives us a time to pray, confess our sins to God. And if you're here and you need me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to. If you want to pray by yourself, you can do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you need to come, you can. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. There's just so, there was so much here in these chapters uh, this week, and I know, Lord, I probably skipped over some stuff, and um, forgive me for that, but I, I, there's so many good lessons in this text, and I pray, Lord, that um, we leave here, we, have, we may have a different mindset on how we look at things. I thank you, Lord, that we can boldly come before you, not based upon anything that we do, because our works are all unrighteousness. We can come before you boldly, Lord, because of what you did for us on the cross. I pray, Lord, that we have the compassion and concern for other people, for our brothers and sisters, more than ourselves. That we take a step back and we put you first. And we have a compassion and concern for a lost and dying world. Lord, in all things, we give you the praise and glory this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. You may be seated. I'm going to ask our elders if they would please come uh, forward this morning. Once again, this is a, an open communion. We don't require you to be a member uh, here at the church, just that you have publicly professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, the, the Lord's Supper was instituted by the Lord Jesus uh, when they were celebrating Passover. And he had gathered with his disciples to celebrate. And as they were eating, uh, Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 26 that Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as we pass out communion this morning, we will take it together. Uh, just spend time. Uh, in quiet reflection uh, of what Christ did for you on the cross. This is a personal thing. This is a, an act of worship. We remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we also look forward to the day uh, that he returns to call us uh, home. So I'm going to ask Mike uh, if he would please bless the bread this morning. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for just the opportunity to be here this morning and, uh, and to take communion, Lord. And I just pray that we take communion this morning with pure hearts, Lord, and and uh, that we remember uh, what it is that you did for us on the cross, Lord. We just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Father in heaven, we just thank you for this opportunity to worship you in the act of communion and help us remember what you did on that cross, the price that was paid, the blood that was shed for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. It says they went out rejoicing. Jesus went out rejoicing knowing what was going to happen to him. And I believe he went out rejoicing, setting an example that without his death, there's no rejoicing in heaven. There's no happiness. There's no goodness without what he did for us on the cross. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we close this morning in song, rejoicing our Lord Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet. Praise God. 